Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear our sermon from our current series, The Book of James. As we read through James, we'll see how our faith in Christ should do more than just change the way we think, it should change the way we live. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We'd love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select contact us, and send us an email. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you again. Uh, We're going to end this series on James talking about the last verses. and It's talking about prayer. Uh, And so I think it's appropriate if it's talking about prayer that we just uh, open this message with a prayer. Father, we're going to ask you to speak to each one of us. Lord, you know what each one of us needs to hear today. So, uh, Lord, we ask that you would do that, that you would speak into our hearts because we know that you desire for us to know you. We pray this in your name. Amen. So what are you praying for? What are your prayers about? How, how often do you pray? When you pray, do you feel like God hears or do you feel like your, your prayers just bounce off the ceiling? Do you find that uh, prayer just flows for you or that prayer comes uh, slow and challenging? Do you pray silently or do you pray out loud? How do you pray? You know, Regardless of how we pray, regardless of what our experience is in prayer, I suspect we all desire to experience a powerful time of prayer in our lives, to to walk in in knowing that God is moving with our prayers. So maybe it's something like this. Pastor Craig Larson shares this story about a woman in his church who uh, shared a story about how as a uh, an employee of a bank that she had been asked to, uh, to create a new website. She was a website architect. She had been asked to basically interface with the current existing website uh, to be able to serve customers with disabilities. And everyone on her team that worked with her told her, you can't do this. This is, this is beyond your ability. It's beyond our team's ability. We're going to fail. We don't have what it takes. And she says, you know what? I agree. Uh, I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to do it. Um, in fact, one technician told her, he said, listen, uh, I don't think if you gave me a year to do what this company's asking us to do, that I could do it. And they're asking us to do it in six months. These were uncharted waters for her. But as a follower of Jesus, she believed that if she took this challenge that she had from her job to God in prayer that God would answer and speak to her. And so every day she called out to God. All day long she would pray about the project. She prayed fervently over every detail, over every page of this new website, over every line of code. She literally wept and prayed over this project. And she felt small and vulnerable, but she also had a fierce conviction that God was great enough, that God was big enough to help with this impossible job in front of her and her team. She kept crying out to God every day about the functionalities of the website, about the codes that had to be written, about every member of her team that was working on the project. And she felt like day after day, she she received spiritual wisdom and insight for one piece of the project after another, week after week. And as months progressed, she began to see the end in sight. And and with the deadline approaching, they were ready to release their work. They were ready to to go live with approximately 80 new web pages of cutting-edge technology. And so 
on the day of, the, of release as they launched it. They found one minor flaw and they were able to fix that bug and everything worked flawlessly. She had committed this impossible task to God. She and her team, who knew they didn't have the ability or the skills to do it, were able to do it. And she attributed it all to God because she prayed and she sought God. Now, I think that's an awesome story, but I think that's what you and I desire to experience in prayer, that, that we would take to God those things in our lives that seem impossible. Now, you know, what, what's behind that story that we're not thinking about is because we sort of hear the beginning and see float through the middle and the end. Is we don't realize that she dedicated herself to praying. She prayed throughout her days of work about that. And so today we're going to talk about prayer. And in fact, that's what James says. In these last verses in the book of James, the chapter 5, we see that he's teaching again about prayer. And he says, in all things, talk to God. That's the first thing that we need to remember. Let me read the first couple of verses from Matthew, excuse me, from James 5, 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. So therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. James is saying, he's saying that we should be people of prayer. Uh, that we have a great God who is infinite and personal, that he dwells in the highest heavens, and yet he loves us and graciously concerns himself with each of our lives. And so James says, listen, talk to God, pray. He says, if, uh, if you're in trouble or if you're not in trouble, pray, talk to God. If you're happy or you're unhappy, pray, talk to God. If you're sick or you're well, pray to God. And he goes on, he says, listen, if you're sick, don't just you pray, but invite others to pray for you and, and invite the elders of your church to pray for you and, and have them pray over you and anoint you with oil. Pray for whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your mind. Pray for healing. And he specifically says in verse 15, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. Now, if you're like me, uh, that verse creates a little bit of tension because it promises that the prayer for healing will be answered. And the tension is because not everyone who is prayed for is healed in the way that we expect them to be healed. We all have prayed prayers for people's healing, directly or indirectly. And we've all prayed in faith, and sometimes they're answered the way we expect them and want them to be answered, and sometimes they're not. And so while we're talking about the tension of prayer, it's just important for me to say also that Jesus made promises about prayer, and he told us, and it raises that tension. He said, until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be made complete. There's that tension. Because don't we all want to experience that reality? Don't we want to ask? Don't we want to receive? Don't we want to be joyful? So, so how do we understand these promises of answered prayer 
and of healing. One theologian makes clear something that we have to, to see. He said, you know, we have to understand that, that this and the other promises of the Bible contain uh, an implied condition, that, that God will grant our prayers when it accords with God's will, because God is not going to answer prayers that go against his will. Thus, he says, we can't take that statement as a guarantee that every prayer offered with a sufficient degree of faith will be answered because it has to be God's will. So we need to understand that it's really not up to us believing it's going to happen. It's up to us trusting that God's going to answer and we pray within his will. And that's something that we see in Scripture and in other places. In, in 1 John chapter 5, it says this, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we ask it according to his will, he hears us and he'll answer it according to his will. Now, as I said earlier, this isn't the first time that James taught about prayer in this letter. He taught about it in chapter four. Uh, just last month, I preached on those passages. But let me remind you what they say. It says, you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Paul Miller writes about these verses, and it helps us understand uh, how that fits into what we read this morning from James. Now, remember, James is the half-brother of Jesus, and he's uh, teaching along the same kind of lines. It's amazing how often he does along what Jesus taught. Um, and, you know, it's important that we see that in what James tells us in chapter 4 is that we can, there's two dangers in prayer. One is not asking. The other one is that we ask selfishly. He says, you do not ask because you do not have. That's not asking. And the selfish asking is you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. And he points out, Paul Miller points out that, that Jesus' prayer and the Garden of Gethsemane is a perfect balance because it gives us a model of how to pray, to avoid not asking and also to avoid asking selfishly. In Mark chapter 14, Jesus is recorded as saying this, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. So the first thing we see is, is that Jesus pours out his heart. He, he, he refuses to not ask. Instead, he asks and, and he says, you know, God, remove this cup from me. He, this is what he wants. So he pours out his heart to us. We need, God wants to be in a relationship with us. So we need to, to not fail to ask. We need to ask. We need to pour out our hearts to God. Let him know where we are. Let the real God encounter the real you by sharing with him what's on your heart and what concerns you and what you want to pray about. But then we have to also balance it with not being selfish in our asks to trust God. So remember, Jesus said, not what I will, but what you will. Jesus is real about his feelings, but 
They don't control him. His feelings don't control him. So he doesn't try to control God with his feelings. He doesn't use his ability to communicate with God as a means to have his will done. Instead, he submits to God's will. The bottom line is this. God wants us to pray about everything and about anything. And God cares about every bit of our lives. And he wants to answer our prayers. I was reading a devotional by Lisa Turcos that my wife uh, shared with me this week. And, and, and she was actually writing a devotional on these very scriptures from James chapter 5. And she said, you, you know, we need to pray boldly. We need to pray and tell God what's on our heart. We need to trust that God answers prayers. In fact, we need to understand that he answers every prayer. But as we pray unselfishly, then we understand that he answers prayers according to his will. So his answer may be yes. His answer may be, hang on, just wait. Or his answer may be no. Why? Because it doesn't match up with God's will. Because we're not praying for our will to be done. We're praying ultimately for God's will to be done. God knows what is best for us, so we need to trust God. We need to trust that he answers our prayers according to his vision of how they should be answered instead of according to how we think they should be answered. So let's talk a little bit about prayers of healing. If God is all-knowing and if God is all-powerful, then God knows everything and can do anything. So that means that God knows what's going on in our bodies and he knows if we're sick and he knows that if we pray, um, he knows what we're praying about even before we say it. But it's important that we pour out our heart to him. As we pray, we seek to pray within his will. Now, here's the reality. God can heal us in any way God chooses. God can heal us uh, miraculously or God can heal us with what we've learned in the study of what we call medicine today. The reality is they're both supernatural. They came from God. God gave us the ability to use our minds to be able to learn and do things that help us in this life on earth. And God does things supernaturally, uh, miraculously. So God does both things really supernaturally. One is miraculous. The other one is through what he's caused us to learn and do. But I believe they're both supernatural. So when we pray for healing, we need to trust that God's going to heal us in the way that we want, that we will let him heal us in the way that he wants to heal us. I, I find confirmation, actually, even in the very fact that God chose uh, somebody who was referred to as a physician, Luke. And Luke was the one who recorded the gospel that bears his name, the gospel of Luke. And he also recorded the book of Acts. So in an affirmation of medicine, we see that we remember that God can heal us both miraculously and both through medicine. We must remember that God desires for us to trust him in all things. I've experienced this whole thing in my own life. Some of you know my story uh, with regards to my heart. 14 years ago, I discovered that I was born with a heart defect. I, I got to the age of 43 and never knew it. And at an annual physical, they told me that I had a heart murmur. Turns out that my aortic valve uh, was malformed in, in the womb. 
And so my doctor said, well, we're going to start watching that. And after about two years, they said, you know, uh, Clark, um, your heart's enlarging. It can't get much bigger, so we need to operate. And so while we had been praying for healing, we took this as a sign that I needed to have my heart operated on. So my valve was repaired, not replaced. Um, Years go by, and I continue to do my annual visits to the doctor. And after about six or so years, the doctor said, you know, um, uh, the opening on your heart valve is getting smaller, so we're going to watch that. And at that point, you know, Cynthia and I really began to pray fervently uh, that God would heal me miraculously. And I'll tell you, selfishly, I wanted to be healed miraculously because uh, the worst days in my life were the days after that first surgery. I didn't want to go through that again. I didn't want to have surgery again. Um, so we prayed. Uh, we had people that had friends that had the gift of healing pray over me. We were looking for a miraculous healing for my heart. Um, for those of you who know my story, uh, in the past year, the doctor said, well, Clark, it's time for you to actually have the valve replaced. And uh, um, that was a, a, obviously uh, rocks your world on a number of fronts, uh, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Um, but since God had not healed my heart miraculously, we moved forward for the operation. And so now I'm uh, some four months past surgery and, uh, you know, life really feels back to normal and God has healed me. Uh, God healed me supernaturally uh, through a surgeon who held my heart in his hands and repaired it. And yes, there's some stuff in there that I wasn't born with, but, uh, you know, uh, I've been healed. So God can heal us supernaturally through medicine, through miraculous means, whatever way we trust that God would heal. So don't be discouraged as you pray for healing. Trust that God's going to heal you, that he's going to let you walk in his will, and he may heal you miraculously. Praise God. He may heal you through medicine. Praise God. He may not choose to heal you, and that's where it comes to trust. And again, praise God. And that last one I know is difficult. So let's talk about the next thing that James goes into. Oh, by the way, James talks about the confession of prayer, uh, confession of sins. It's important that, that we recognize that that's part of our prayer. He says that we should confess to one another, and it's important that we do for accountability. But we should also, in prayer, confess to God. And that's part of our spiritual healing when we confess to God and receive forgiveness for our sins. Then James goes into what I call the effectiveness of prayer. So let's pick up in verse 17. He writes, Elijah, the, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Again, there's a lot going on here. Uh, James gives us the example of Elijah as one who prayed effectively. God answered Elijah's prayers in miraculous ways. James points out that Elijah was human just like us. So we're supposed to understand that Elijah experienced life just like we do. And yet, we also see 
that Elijah pursued a closeness with God that we all can do. One scholar wrote this about Elijah. He said, Elijah knew the will of God so intimately that he could understand the exact time when the divine purposes were to occur. He was able to perceive when God wanted to begin and end the drought. The example of Elijah in determining God's will challenges us to seek a closeness in our walk with God so that we can know and follow the will of God. So our prayers, uh, which accord with the will of God, will be answered. So we must walk with God in God's will, uh, loving Him and trusting Him, loving what He loves and rejecting what He rejects. And that should be our desire, uh, to walk closely with God. Uh, to experience effectiveness in our prayer life, we need to walk closely to God. Now, as James sort of wraps up, he, he talks about this section uh, where he says, um, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and, and cover over a multitude of sins. He says, if somebody should wander from the truth, someone should bring them back. You know, he's talking about people who have come to faith or have started to follow God and, and walked away. And it doesn't seem like he's talking about prayer, but that actually requires prayer in this closing section. And you and I, who know people who, who have walked away from God or people who don't even know God, it's important for us to prayerfully pursue God's salvation for those people, to, to pray that they would return to God if they've walked away, if they've wandered, pray that they would come to faith if, if they've never come to faith. That's part of why we do the live nativity is so that we can share the good news of Jesus in our community to, to give us the opportunity to have conversations about who Jesus is. So that's part of our prayer life. It should be to pray for others. When we are effective in prayer, we walk close with God and we seek to do his will. We pray in all things. Uh, we pray for healing. We pray in God's will. We seek to know his will. Uh, we pray for an effective life, a prayer life, and walk with God. We pray to bring people back to faith. And, and what this really requires is that we set our minds on God and his will for our lives. I'll read you a verse from the book of Romans. The Apostle Paul wrote this. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. So we need to set our minds on what the Spirit desires. If we want to know God and walk with Him and experience answered prayer in our lives, to follow his will, we need to set our minds on what the Spirit wants. So we have to ask ourselves, are we focusing on what the flesh wants or what the Spirit wants? Again, I'll share with you something that Lisa Turkhurst writes. She said, the mind feasts on what it focuses on. The mind feasts on what it focuses on. And then she points to the words of the prophet Isaiah who wrote, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast 
because they trust in you. Lisa goes on to point out that the word for steadfast in this verse means to brace, to uphold, to support. So in other words, she writes, those who keep their minds fully braced, fully upheld, fully supported by truth and trust in God will keep in perfect peace. What the mind feasts on is what we focus on. What's your mind feasting on? Is your mind feasting on your will or on God's will? Is your mind feasting on what you want to have done or what God wants to have done? What is it that God desires for you to experience in your life? And are you trusting him? Will you entrust the prayers of your heart to him? Will you entrust to him what you desire? Will you be brave enough to share that with him? Will you trust that God will answer it in the way that's best for you? Will you trust that God knows what's best when he doesn't answer it the way you expect or want it to be answered? Will you trust God? when you feel close to God and when you don't feel close to God? Will you trust God and walk forward in faith? It's really important that we pursue God in prayer. You know, Dan shared that, how God ministered to him with that song about, you know, this is how I fight my, my battle. We do it in worship. We do it in telling God, I trust you enough to share with you what's in my heart. And when we pray, that's worship. When we give God our attention, that's worship. When we tell God, this is the desire of my heart and I'm going to lay it out before you and I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to trust that your will will be done. And even if it's not what I was hoping for, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to walk in faith. So this morning... I want to invite you to spend some time in prayer. And whatever's on your heart, I want to encourage you to spend that time in prayer. So I'm just going to start us off. So if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'll kick us off. And then I'm just going to go silent and let you speak to God about what's on your heart and entrust it to God, knowing that he will do what's best for you. Father, we have looked at what your word says and we want to be people of prayer. We want to walk in your will. We want to trust you in every part of our lives. And so we want to be real with you and share with you what's on our hearts. And we want to walk in faith and trust as we do so. So Lord, hear our prayers.
Father, we trust you. Thank you for hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.